service Saturday. So today we're continuing our series called Ask Anything. We started this last, uh, last month, and if you're new, what we did was we had our students ask questions, then they got to vote on the questions, we did a top ten, and now we're at number seven. These are questions that you guys had. Um, just a quick, uh, I want to I ask this question. Uh, is the per- today's question is, is, go to the next slide here real quick. The today's question is, how do we know Christianity isn't just another religion? Um, if you're not too embarrassed, who's the person that asked this question? Just raise your hand if, if that person's here. I just want to know. Okay, cool. Um, I think several people asked the question, but I just want to make sure the person who's actually here, uh, the person who asked is actually here. Because if not, we're just going to cancel it and go home. Okay, so that's the way this is going to go. Um, it's a great question, but I think as we look around the world that you and I live in, it does seem like religion is the problem, right? It does seem like as you look at the world that we're surrounded by, it does seem like that the world that we live in, that religion is a major problem and not a major help to society, correct? I'll show you some pictures that uh, might come to mind. So go to my next couple of slides here. Um, I mean, this was obviously brought about by some religious beliefs. And so you can see how people that are atheists or agnostic would take a step back from this and say, you see, this is why religion, all religion, is messed up and bad because this is the kind of stuff that happens as a result of religion. Go to my next slide. Another example, the train bombing in Madrid. Perfect example of the same thing. So everyone says when this kind of thing happens, see, religion is the problem. Go to my next slide. More mayhem. I have no idea where this is or what it is, but it was a cool picture off the Internet. So there you go. And then this guy um, represents the Taliban. And once again, you see just how everyone thinks about religion, for the most part, some people, in this context. This is what religion brings about in our society. Now, before we move on to the next uh, set of slides here, some people, as a result of this kind of thinking, as, because they think that religion causes turmoil and, and chaos and wars, and let's be honest, it does. It does, right? And so some, some cultures have said, well, let's, let's try to get rid of religion. Let's try to abolish religion because that is the problem. Then you get countries like this next one, go to my next slide. You get countries like Russia where they try to oppress religion, abolish religion, get rid of religion. Let's make a state, a country that is completely based on atheism, and then all our issues will go away. But did all the issues go away with Russian communism? No, right? Go to my next slide, another example. Um, China is obviously a communist country, one of the strongest, the strongest communist uh, country today. And then go to my next slide, another example, a long time ago, the Nazi party in a different way tried to abolish religion, namely Judaism and the Jewish um, ethnicity. And another example of three cultures that have tried to abolish and get rid of religion. And here's what's crazy, is that people say things like, If you get rid of religion, you'll get rid of all the issues in the world. And what you see from that set of slides is the complete opposite, correct? Which just shows me 
that the real problem isn't religion. It's something a bit deeper than that. And Christians call that sin, right? Because sin takes on many and different various forms, right? Um, people use religion, use religion to exercise power over people, to exercise sin. They use it as a prop, basically, for their sin. And so what happens is you get violence and oppression no matter where you turn in our culture today. But some will still say and maintain that it's a result of religion. Religion is the problem. I want to read a quote to you that I found. This person is, uh, go to my next slide there with the long quote. Religious exclusivity is not just narrow, it's dangerous. Religion has led to untold strife, division, and conflict. It may be the greatest enemy of peace in the world if Christians continue to insist that they have the truth, and if other religions do this as well, the world will never know peace. Go ahead and do questions one and two at your tables. If you don't have a discussion sheet at your tables, there's one up here on this first table. There should be some extra ones, I think, on the back there, I believe. If you don't have one, try to find one. Questions, just one and two. We are going to have some discussion throughout today's talk, so we'll do two more sessions of that in just a moment. But the question that I want to answer this morning is I want to give you three things. If you're someone who likes to write things down, you can write these down as we go. But I want to answer um, one main question today, and it's this. What separates Christianity from other religions? That was the main point of the question today was, what separates Christianity from other world religions? So we're going to address that main question today. And when I was about probably eight or nine years old, I went to a, you guys know who Billy Graham is, and you guys know who that guy is, right? He's a, he's a um, world-renowned evangelist. Um, when I was about eight or nine years old, I saw him speak in Washington, D.C. at a big stadium, and about 40,000 people were there. I'd never seen anything like it in my entire life, and you might not think that a speech that long ago would have an impact on you as a small kid, but there's one statement he said that I will never forget, and it was this. He said, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And if you look at every other world religion, every other religion is... How can I get to God? How can I climb a ladder to get to God? Christianity is the only one where God extends himself to mankind in an effort to save mankind. And so the question I want to really deal with is what is it that separates Christianity from other world religions? The first point I want you to write down is this. Jesus is the only religious leader who claimed to be God. Jesus is the only one, guys, can we stop snapping our fingers in the back of the room, please? Thank you. Jesus is the only religious leader who claimed to be God. No other religious leader even made that claim. We know that Muhammad never made that claim. The guy who founded Buddhism never made that claim. Uh, Krishna, who is, is affiliated with Hinduism, never made that claim. No one else of a major world religion ever made the claim that they were the Messiah. Now, there have been some crazy wackos out there, um, like David Koresh, people like that, that have made these kinds of claims. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend that no one's ever said that they're Jesus. Obviously, someone else, someone else, else has said that or said that they're God, right? But when it comes to like leaders of world religions, right, 
legitimate world religions, no other leader has ever even claimed to be God himself, right? In the flesh. And so look with me at Mark chapter 2, verses uh, 5 to 7. Mark 2, 5 to 7. Here's what um, Jesus says. This is a story where those men are bringing their friend who's a paralytic to Jesus and the house is totally full. And these men, because of their faith, they lower their friend into the roof and Jesus heals this man. Here's what it says in in, uh, chapter 2 of Mark, verse uh, 7. It says, And when Jesus saw their faith, I want you to see this. When Jesus saw not just the man, the paralytic's faith, when Jesus saw his friend's faith, I want you to catch this. This is important. Because whenever you are interceding for a friend, whenever you are trying to reach someone, whenever you are trying to intercede on someone else's behalf, God does not just look at the faith of the person you're praying for. God looks at your faith as well. So when Jesus sees their faith as a group, He says to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now that might be a weird statement for Christ to say. I mean, the guy is laying on a mat. He's paralyzed. And I'm sure everyone is sitting there going, that's not why we came here. We came here to get healed. And you just said his sins are forgiven. So, I mean, that's helpful. But he needs to be able to walk. So this is a surprising statement on some level, right? That Jesus even says these words. And now look what it says. But you'll see, this is like a setup statement for the rest of the story. In verse 6. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. They're saying this inside their minds. They're saying, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And so the rest of the story goes where Jesus then calls them out for questioning in their hearts. Wouldn't it be tough to hang around Jesus? He's like, I know what you're thinking. You can just go ahead and say it out loud. So they're raising questions in their hearts. Jesus calls them out for it and says, why are you guys questioning my ability to forgive sins? And then they call him out for for, for saying that. And then he says, what is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or is it easier to say get up and walk? And his point in saying that was this. Because anybody can just say your sins are forgiven. I mean, I could walk over here and, and look at Michaela and say, your sins are forgiven, right? But do you know if I've really forgiven her sins? No. Nothing changes on the outside. But if someone over here is paralyzed and I say, okay, get up and walk, and they walk, at that point you know there's something going on here, right? At that point you know that I've got some kind of power or authority that most normal, everyday people don't have. And so Jesus uses the statement, your sins are forgiven as a setup for the next statement, which is rise, get up, and walk. And the man gets up and walks, and he gets his sins forgiven, and his paralysis is healed, and the scribes and Pharisees are furious at Jesus. And Jesus' whole point is this. Jesus' ability to heal pointed to his authority to forgive. Most of us think of Christ's miracles as just like a magic show, like just tricks that he would do. But his miracles always had a point, and the point of his miracles, the point of his healings, were to show people that he had the authority to forgive sin. 
to show people that He was indeed God. Claiming to forgive sin is a God claim. That is a claim to be God. The scribes and Pharisees knew it. Jesus knew what He was saying when He said this. He knew that only God can forgive sin, so He knows that if He says that he, this person's sins are forgiven, that is a God claim. If anyone ever tries to tell you that Jesus never claimed to be God, show them this passage. He claimed to be God. He was God. He claimed to be the one who could forgive sin. No other religious leader in history has made that claim when it comes to the world religions. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Do you guys have any idea who he's talking to when he says that? Look in your Bible real quick or your app. John 14, 6. I want someone to tell me who Jesus is talking to in John 14, 6. When he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The answer might surprise you who he's speaking with. Look at a couple of verses. Thomas. It's Thomas. We covered Thomas a couple weeks ago. And Thomas was known as what? The doubting Thomas. He was, he was the one disciple that struggled the most with doubt and questioning and a lack of faith, a lack of belief. And so Jesus says this statement to doubting Thomas. And he, I think he says it to calm his doubts, to, to quell his doubts, saying, look, let there be no question. Let me be clear. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Thomas. Right? And so notice what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, I'm one of many ways. I'm one of many paths. I'm one of many truths. Just just pick one. Pick one that doesn't cause you to kill people and just get on that path and and go towards God, right? He, He doesn't approach it that way he says i'll be very clear with you i am the way i am the truth i am the life no one comes to the father except through me people say things like well i just can't imagine a god who would be that exclusive i can't imagine a god who would be that you know that just seems very narrow i mean why would god set things up that way and so what they are lobbying for when they say that is a kind of God who would say, yeah, all paths pretty much get you to the same place. So just pick one. Judaism, uh, Islam, uh, you know, pick something. Buddhism, Hinduism, just pick one and they're all going to go to the middle like the, like the spokes of a wagon wheel to the center and at the center is God. Just pick one, just get on some path and you're eventually going to get to the same place. You, people would say things like, that seems like a more loving God, a God who would allow that to happen. And I would say to that person this, I would say, that to me is a confusing God, a vague God, an abstract God, a God that doesn't make much sense because when you see Jesus saying things like this, it doesn't leave much room for the wagon wheel approach, does it? It doesn't leave much room for gray. It's pretty clear. And I would say to you that the God, if we had a God that we worship that was the wagon wheel approach, many ways to God, that is a confusing God, that is an unloving God, that is a vague God, that is an unclear God. 
Jesus, because he loves us and wants to be clear about who he is, he leaves no doubt and no question as to who he is as the Messiah. No doubt, no question that he is the Son of God and that he is the way. That he is the way. And so some people are going to say things like, well, you know, it's really arrogant for Christians to say things like this. It's really arrogant for Christians to say that, you know, their way is the only way. And the problem with that, though, is that Christians didn't say it. We, we didn't say this. Jesus said this. Jesus says this. And so I want to point out to you this morning just a little bit of hypocrisy. And normally I don't go on these kinds of rants when it comes to our culture because I know that um, if someone doesn't know Christ, I don't expect them to know the truth. I don't say that in an arrogant way. I just say that. That's just biblically speaking, that's true. If someone's not had their eyes, um, if, if, if the truth's not been revealed to them by the Holy Spirit, I don't expect them to know it, right? But here's what I want to show you just very quickly. This book, I believe this book. I believe it's been handed to us by God. I believe that God has written it through human authors, through their inspiration. It's 66 books. It's over 40 authors, written over 2,000 years of time. And so for me to come to this book and to say, you know, with all the history in this book, with all the things that have been verified, with all the things that, that show Jesus to be real, I mean, think of our, our count. It's 2013 right now. That's based on the birth of Jesus. We, we base our entire calendar on Jesus. Even unbelievers will use before Christ, after Christ, year of our Lord. And so everything is based on this. And I, I look at this and go, so as Christians, we hold this Bible and we say, okay, this, this seems true to me. This seems right to me. I'm going to believe in the God that wrote this book. I'm going to submit myself to Him humbly. And then the world looks at us and says, that's arrogant. How can you say that? And so I would turn the tables and I would say, okay, well, let's just break this down for a moment. Are you telling me that if you invent your own religion based on you, yourself, and your own selfish desires and based on what you want, that's somehow more humble Right? Are you telling me that if you, if you just kind of go through um, the religions and just take a grab bag of what you want to have for your little religion, for yourself, for your individual personality, that's somehow more humble than submitting yourself to the God that wrote this book? How is it that Christians get labeled as arrogant for saying they believe in the God that wrote this book? And yet people who create their own religions are seen as the humble ones. And seen as the ones who are correct and right. Explain this to me. Explain this to me. And again, I don't mean just to rant. Because I don't expect people that have not had the truth revealed. I don't, I don't expect them to know the truth, right? But I do think there's a hypocrisy there that is very, very deeply rooted that I think we have to expose, even for those that are in this room. Because I think some of you guys, you're going to struggle with this thought as you progress through high school and college. I want you to see um, this next point. The next point I want you to see is 
No other religion explains our world better than Christianity. There's a guy named Tim Keller that I read quite a bit, and the words that he used are explanatory power. He says, no other religion has the power to explain our world like Christianity does. No other religion does. Now, some can get close. Some can maybe have a little bit of you know, things to say about our world, but when it comes to Christianity, nothing else gives it a full orb scope of our world that we live in and explaining the way things are, human nature, sin, evil, beauty, love, truth. Nothing else explains those things like Christianity does. I'm going to give you an example here for just a second. Take, for example, evil and suffering. You guys know that when the, uh, the Newtown, Connecticut um, shootings happened not too long ago, um, that the world literally took note, right? And the world, uh, especially the U.S., there's tons and tons of debates about, okay, how are we going to fix this? How can we solve this? And everyone started coming out with these opinions about how can we make this world a better place as a result of what happened in Connecticut, right? And one of the things that came out from that was this. People started saying things like, well, you know, if, if they hadn't taken God out of the schools back in the 70s, then this wouldn't have happened. Other people said things like, you know, if they would just ban all guns or get rid of certain kinds of guns, then this kind of thing wouldn't happen, right? And so everyone has these opinions, right, about why things happen and what we should do about it. But what I would say to you is that Christianity is the only religion that fully explains what happens with evil and suffering. Because many people don't want to call what happened complete and total evil or sin. They just want to call it something else like, hey, that, that person is just insane. That person is just crazy. But only Christianity, I think, has the ability to explain what fully happens in those kinds of situations. And to really say, this is evil. This, what caused this suffering was just sheer and complete, total depravity, sin, and evil. That's what it was. And there's only one God who will deal with that kind of sin and evil. No other religion, I think, has the power to explain the world that you and I live in like Christianity does. I'll give you another example. The example of love. Like, I mean, marriage, man and woman. Think about the marriage relationship. It, try, try to have an atheist explain to you why is it that we even have this thing called marriage? Because it makes no sense, does it? I mean, trying to take this big, massive, you know, like one-syllable speaking male, right, um, and pairing him up with a little flower of a female, right, this delicate being, right, and, and make them work their lives out together, that makes no sense whatsoever, right? But somehow God's designed this thing to sanctify and grow both people into his likeness. He's given us this picture to paint a picture of his relationship to the church. And so I think Christianity has the power to explain things in our world that no other religion has the power to explain. The third point is this. No other religion is based on grace. No other religion is based on grace. We've said it before. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Every religion is man's attempt to reach God, but Christianity is God's attempt to reach man. Other religions weigh good and works with bad, and you're treated based on your goodness. 
Christianity says that everyone is bad, but there is one who is good, and he offers salvation to all. Now, you may not know this, but there are two kinds of grace that we see in the Bible, and one is called common grace, one is called saving grace. Saving grace, of course, being the one that where the Holy Spirit comes into your life and enables you to have faith in Jesus, and God extends to you grace so you can join him for eternity in his presence in heaven. That is saving grace. But common grace is completely different than that. Common grace, most people think of grace, they think of the saving kind of grace, but common grace is things like last night when it rained. Now, there are evil farmers and there are good farmers, right? And everyone got the rain last night, right? Everyone got the rain. That's God's common grace on mankind. Psalm 104, 14 and 15 says this. It says, you cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for, the, for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth, and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. There are certain things we take for granted, and these are things that God in his common grace bestows on all of mankind throughout history. Acts 14, 17 says, Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. You ever ask the question, why does food taste so good? You ever ask that question? I mean, you ever, seriously, ask the question, like, why is it that certain kinds of food just taste heavenly? I'll put it that way, right? It, it tastes amazing. I mean, why does a Twinkie taste so good, right? You know you like those. Why does your, listen, listen, why does your breakfast taco not taste like cardboard, right? Why, why does it taste good? Who's given you taste buds? Who has given you that blessing of common grace? God has. You ever wonder why, like when you're starving, you're completely starving from a long day of work or at school, and the moment food touches your mouth, you feel instantly satisfied. It's not even in your stomach yet. And you already feel some satisfaction. What is that? It's common grace. It is God's common grace to all of mankind. Him blessing us in ways that he doesn't have to. And here's why I want you to see this. Because here's what you don't get sometimes. Is that God gives us those blessings in his kindness, his common grace, to lead mankind to his saving grace. Those things are supposed to be a witness to who he is as God. And they should lead us, his kindness leads to repentance. They should lead us to an understanding of his saving grace in our lives. And so with that, go ahead and discuss um, questions three and four. And we'll wrap up here and just, just do questions three and four. Okay, give me a couple more minutes and we'll have some more discussion here at the very end. But in spite of all that we've said today, there are some people that will still say things like this next statement. All major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. All major religions are equally valid and basically teach the same thing. Many people, this is a very popular statement in our culture today. And I would ask that person this question. I would say, really? 
Okay, what about those religions that require child sacrifice? Are those equally valid? Are those equally good compared to everything else? What about the people that were in Waco about 15 years ago, the Branch Davidians that were um, abusing people and, and so on, which led to lots and lots of mayhem here in Texas? Is that equally good, equally valid? And if they would say, well, no, 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 those are like the wacko, crazy religions. I'm talking about like the major world religions. They basically say the same thing. They all agree on the major points. And I would say, no, hang on, hang on. Go to my next slide. I would ask this question. Buddhism. Let's talk about Jesus. Buddhism does not teach a personal God exists. No personal God in Buddhism. Hinduism teaches reincarnation. Believes in reincarnation. Judaism and Islam teaches that Jesus is not God. He's not the Messiah. He was a prophet, but he is not the Messiah. He's not God. Christianity believes that Jesus is God. Are these four categories the same thing? Are, are they all equal? Are they all saying the same things? They're saying opposite and, and contradictory things. I'll give you a, a quick example. This is really simple. I'm just trying to make sure you understand this. But I have a little two-year-old daughter named Sienna. And she's really, really cute. And she has a little uh, stuffed puppy called Patches. And she loves Patches. And when I put her to bed, she wants to have her little uh, baby that she got for Christmas and Patches in the crib with her before she goes to sleep. And she does this weird thing, though. When I'm putting her in her crib, she'll, she'll, say, she'll say, I want Patches. And I'll go and get Patches. I'll bring Patches to her. And then I'll put Patches in her crib. And she'll say, no, no, I don't want Patches. And I'm like, well, you just said you wanted patches. Now you're saying you don't. I'll take patches out of the crib. And she's like, no, no, I want patches. And I put patches back in the crib. And I'm like, woman, make up your mind, right? And here's the deal, though. Those are two contradictory truths, right? I'm just being simple today. You can't want patches and not want patches at the same time or our brains will explode. And the same is true of this statement. You can't say Jesus is God and that he's not God at the same time. You can't make contradictory truth claims and say they're all equal and they're all valid. You cannot do that philosophically. That is philosophy 101. And so we must say that, that they don't teach the same thing because what you do with Jesus is the most important thing. So here's what I think is a helpful question to ask. I think it's helpful to ask questions like, where, what is the ultimate thing that Christianity leads to? Where does Christianity lead? It leads to sinners who are separated from God because of their sin. It leads to them being forgiven. It leads them to, for, to being empowered to forgive other people. It leads them to be able to show love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. It, it should lead to those things in someone's life as a Christian. But here's where other world religions can lead. Go to, my, go to my next slide here. I have to read a quote, so I need you to click the slide there. Here's where other religions can lead. I have watched devout peasants crawl on bloody knees across cobblestone streets in Costa Rica, and Hindu peasants offer sacrifices to the gods of smallpox and poisonous snakes in India. I have visited Islamic countries where morals police patrol the sidewalks with clubs 
looking for women whose clothing offends them or who dare to drive a car. Go to my next slide. I've heard eyewitness accounts of the recently revived Sundance ritual in which young Lakota warriors fasten eagle's claws to their chest and straining against a rope attached to a sacred pole, fling themselves outward until the claws rip through their flesh. Then they enter a sweat lodge and pile high, red-hot rocks until the temperatures become unbearable, all in an attempt to atone for sin. Every religion is trying to atone for sin. Jesus is the only one who actually atones for it. He's the only one. The only one. So if someone asks you the question, what makes Christianity different? You can say this. Nothing else takes care of the sin. Nothing else deals with the sin. Some might say, well, we're going to try to outwork our sin and do more good than bad, but that doesn't take care of the sin. No other religion in the world takes care and atones for the sin. Go ahead and do your last few discussion questions at your tables. Go ahead and discuss and pray to close out.